Living on the Beach, the only place to go to read your emails and tweets. I'm J.D. Skeets here with Trey, Lee, and J.D. No tasks, of course. His wife, Danny, recently given birth to their second baby girl. But that's all right. We got the four of us here in the No Dunks office, and you guys were awesome once again. Sending in your questions all week long. Keep them coming. Email nodunksattheathletic.com or tweet them in at nodunksinc or use that hashtag nodunks. I'll get us started with the first one of this week's batch, gentlemen. It's a good one. Gentlemen, it actually starts that. It's great to have you guys back in the podcast world. I've been a fan since the Basketball Jones days. One of my favorite questions that you guys tackled back in the TBJ days was about the Hall of Very Good. The players who won't be remembered as one of the all-time greats, but should be memorialized in the proverbial Hall of Fame annex. I seem to recall Al Horford being a popular selection nearly a decade ago when you were discussing this question. What a memory on this guy. Who would you guys nominate of the newly retired or might as well be retired players? This question, I love this one, coming in from Wesley L. So the Hall of Very Good. What do you think? Who you, who would you like to uh, make your pitch for? Yeah, it's a good question um, because it's the guys who were good, maybe even put up the numbers, but you never sort of look at them as a franchise-altering player. To you me. could even say they were very good. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, I'm going to throw. I'm, I'm going <laughs> to. I'm going to throw out a couple of names and see how we go. See how we go because this guy Great. ended up with a championship. Oh, I know who you're going to go. Two championships, in oh, fact. Oh, no, no, I don't. Two-time All-Star. Okay. Good, solid veteran for a lot of his career. Ended up with reasonable numbers, but averaged 20 a game. Uh, averaged co- 20 a game? Yeah, a couple of times, but I don't think he's a Hall of Famer. Okay, I'm fu- okay. David West. Oh, no, okay, this is <laughs> great. Nice, You're David a- West. This yeah. is a great, great nominee for the Hall of Very yeah. Good. That's a, lo- uh, a perfect one, I would say. Like, yeah, that's ideal. You know, when he when he was an all-star, it was with Chris Paul in those New Orleans Hornets days where he was putting up, you know, not 20 and 10, but 20 and 9s a couple of times. Sure. He had a very sort of uh, almost old-fashioned mid-range game where just so reliable from the elbow there. Um, but I don't, you know, I think I think when he was in Indiana, very, very important player on those teams that, that you know, had some playoff success. Yep. But uh, by the time he uh, won his championships, he was... Um, you know, he was he was a, a role player coming off the bench there for the Warriors. So, you know, no All-NBA honours or anything like that. But, I mean, if you're putting up 20 a game a couple of years, I mean, you're a pretty good player. That is a great pick. It's perfect. I really, really enjoy that one. Come with another heater, Lee. <laughs> another one? This guy, I think, is going to the Hall of Fame. Oh, well, because, that's not... Yeah, but I, I, I mean, I think so because he's going to have the numbers. And, and he's got a few more accolades. But I, I, I look at him as always like a not a franchise one, a franchise two. He's still playing. Lamarcus Aldridge. Uh, he's oh okay yeah yeah I was yeah you would think he might be on his way to the Hall of Fame. I mean, but maybe not. Maybe he's going to have over twenty thousand points. Wow. And he's going to have five All NBA. That's a benchmark too, right? Yeah. I mean, you generally... seven time All Star already. Yeah. Could get in this year, perhaps. Yeah. I mean, he could easily get in next year as well. You know, like he's one of those guys that like he has respect of the coaches. But when you think of him in Portland, you know, obviously a good player, but. Not like, oh my God, they've got Aldridge. Even though it was obviously drafted there, like it changes everything. Yeah, you know, same in San Antonio. Since he's been there, they've been good, but never a contender. Never that close to contender. He's almost between the Hall of Very Good and the actual Hall of Fame. Yeah. Like he's almost right in the middle. Um, but another good one. Who else you got? Come on, no, that's, that, those are the two big ones that I had. Okay. Yeah. Well, Amari Stoudemire. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, that's his good. career was heading to the Hall of Fame. Oh, he was a no-brainer yeah. early. And then uh, injuries just yeah. cut him down. I've got some other bigs I'll throw out there that are currently playing but are nearing the end of their career in the next couple of years probably, and they play on the same team. I think Serge Ibaka could be a Hall of Very Good Guy, and I think Marc Gasol could be a Hall of Very Good Guy. Oh, I, I think Marc's in the hall. You think Mark is in the hall? Now, Mark, why do you Mark say that? Hall. Just because he has the international play as well? Yeah. That's the only real case sure. that you can bolster to get him in there. Yeah, because but, but his that, NBA career alone, I'm sorry, you're not convincing me he's a Hall of Famer. Yeah, but he doesn't. That, that's what I'm saying. He's got those extra outside accolades. I, no, I get that. I mean, yes. Yeah. But career averages in the NBA, 15-7-3, three-time All-Star, two-time All-NBA, got the Defensive Player of the Year, is a champion, of course, and then... That is great. That's very good. Hall of very good for me, for Marcus Hall. <laughs> I hear you. The international play might, might, I'm not convinced, get it's him got, into the real yeah. Hall. I'm not, I'm not 100% yeah. convinced on that. So that's why I got him in the Hall of yeah. very good. Well, it's, it's a good debate. I mean, to think, yeah, Powell gets in? Yes. Definitely. Yes, but Powell had a better NBA career. Yeah, he got two he championships. Yeah. yeah, he just did. Maybe Mark will get two. Hey, maybe, maybe. <laughs> um, and, and what do you think about the surge, too? He was on my list. I think that's a good one. He yeah. um, led the NBA in blocks four times. I think mm. he's a uh, – what number is he in blocks right now? He's high on that list, eh? Yeah, he's really high on that list. In blocks per game, he is active. He's the third career, 21st. Like, he's a, a top 20 shot blocker of all time, three all-defense teams. Yeah, he was very good yep. and picked up the title with the Raptors and was a little bit of ahead of his time as a stretch four, stretch five kind of guy, but uh, he's not going to get into the Hall of Fame, no. but he was – very good. Mm. I got two more, too. Similar molds of players, I would say, because they're not going to the Hall of Fame. Kyle Korver. Right. And J.J. Redick. Sure. You know, obviously known for shooting the ball. I mean, Korver made one All-Star game. He led the league in three-point percentage four times. He's a career 43% three-point shooter. 43% on, obviously, a ton of attempts over his very long career, but he's not making Hall. And same for Korver. I mean, he, was, he has really zero individual accolades, but he's got the whole thing where he hasn't never missed the playoffs, and he's been an important player for a lot of good teams. Career averages of 13-2-2. Two and two. Again, no way he's getting in the hall, but he's close at, or, or in my hall of very good. Yeah. Yeah. He's made a... God, I love this question. This is yeah. fun. <laughs> J.J. Reddick's an interesting one because he came in with, you know, big raps out of Duke. Yeah. He was drafted, I think, 14. 11th, I believe. Oh, was it? And yeah. uh, people wondered, would he be too small for the NBA to just be a shooter? Yeah. Uh, but he's instead... Carved out a very, very good, consistent career. Yeah. Anyone else? I mean, I had Serge on my list. Another guy I would add, uh, he can be right next to Al Horford in the Hall of Very Good. Paul Millsap. Ooh. I mean, maybe uh, do a Hawks. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the whole Hawks team, <laughs> put him in. We've got Mari Carroll, welcome. <laughs> Jeff Teague. Jeff Teague, yeah. bring You're your pizza box sideways. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I think, uh, you know, the same sort of thing. You're making some all-star games. You're getting some... Uh, recognition as a versatile defender. You're kind of able to do it all, but not Hall of Fame worthy, but a very good player. All right. Uh, let's hear from you guys. Uh, some other guys you would maybe have in your Hall of Very Good that are near the end of their career or just recently, re- recently retired, uh, like David West and, and so on. All right. Next question. Hey, No Dunks crew. With LeBron's retirement looming, at least in the next few years, I want to make sure I get out to see him play. He's been my favorite player since I was a kid, and I don't want to miss the opportunity to watch debatably the greatest to ever do it beat my Pacers by 30. (laughs) My question for y'all is what classic NBA player do you wish you could have seen play live before they retired, and why? 
turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. That's from Nick P. Mm. What you got? Keem one. I never saw Akeem play. Hmm. One of my favorite players of yeah. all time. And I think he'd be awesome to watch live. So technically I did see him play. Okay. But what, it was Raptors Akeem oh. Olajuwon. Yeah, no, no, no. You did not see him play that. And, and that was against Wizards Jordan. So I got to see... Oh, <laughs> legends. I got to see my two, two of my top three. That's amazing. Of all time play against each other. Wow. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, same for me. But, I, you know, I sort of took that out of the equation yeah. and, and thought about guys who obviously I was never around for in, in the States. It would be um, early athletic Sean Kemp. I'd love to have seen him play. Yep. I think he would have just been incredible in those early 90s. And, and at some, you know, the Showtime Lakers as well. To, to attend a Lakers game in the late 80s, I think, just would have been awesome to see, you know, magic on full display, the crowd there, Jack going crazy on the sidelines. Uh, that would have been awesome. Wish I could have done it. Yeah. What about yourself? Moses Malone. Okay. <laughs> it's an old-timey guy. He's considered one of the all-time greats, a three-time MVP. That's pretty rare. He won one championship in the NBA. He was also an ABA all-time player. But basically the only thing anybody knows about Moses Malone is when you're playing basketball and you miss a shot, but you get the rebound and put it back in. People are like, oh, bad in your stats, Moses Malone. Apparently he's the the GOAT at offensive rebounding, but I would love to see what made him such a, a dominant player. Um, maybe it's just the strength of him. Maybe the tenacity. I don't know what it was, but that's a guy that – when I started watching the NBA, he was like on the Bucks. You yeah, know, like yeah, Moses yeah, yeah. Malone. Do you mean Carl Malone? Uh, you know, <laughs> just a little bit ahead of my time, Lee. I'm sure you enjoyed some of his great games back in the day, but uh, Moses Malone for me is a guy that I'm just curious about because you're not coming across you know, Moses Malone highlight tapes you know what? all the time. That's a, that is a good answer because when we are always talking about like the greats and the MVPs and all this, there are always three guys that are like when we do trivia, right? We ask tri- tri- questions about blah 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 blah. And there's generally these three guys that come up that I know nothing about really in terms of watching them play. Moses Malone is one. Elgin Baylor is the second <laughs> yeah. one. And Wes Unseld is the third one. You know what <laughs> nice I mean? One. Like, we, we hear those names. We know they're greats. But I don't, I mean, mm. I don't know what they actually looked like playing the game. So to, be, to see them, yeah, it's, it's a good one. And like Moses, I like that. Well, you asked me about Moses Malone seeing him play. The first game I ever saw, the 87 All-Star game, he was going to be MVP of the game <laughs> if it didn't go to overtime. Wow. He tips in the basket to put the East up before Orlando goes and hits the two free throws. Moses had 27 and 18 that game. Oh, he was a yeah. lock for it. Yeah, he was. He was absolutely going to get it. So the people rave about his footwork too, big Moses. He had great, uh, great footwork. So Let's watch those feet. Yeah. <laughs> All right, next one. Hey, guys. As I've been listening about the race for the eighth seed in the West and thinking about who do I want to get into the playoffs, I couldn't shake the thought of Spurs being dearest and nearest to my heart. Why? Because I want that streak. I want that streak alive, baby. 22 and rolling. So my question is, what are some of your favorite streaks throughout the NBA history? Like the Kyle Korver counter a few years ago or that Rondo 10 assists per game, which was over because of that stupid ejection he got in 2012, I think. Or... You can go negative. Worst streaks out there, like the Warriors' win streak. One streak, one season. Anyways, much love from Croatia. That's from Philip B. Uh, my favorite streak, I'm keeping it simple. It is the Lakers' 33-game win streak within the one season. Yeah, not not uh, over two seasons like we had with the Warriors there <laughs> that one time. Uh, no, it's the Lakers' 33-game win streak, now, which is way before my time, obviously, in the 70s with that amazing team. But what I love about it is... When we have had teams over the past decade or so, or so you know, reach the 20-game win mark, it starts to get super mm-hmm. exciting. The Warriors starting their season with 24 straight. Wow, that was amazing. And then the Heat. Remember when they were 
ripping them off together. I'm talking about the Heatles, I guess, 2012-13. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, they got up to 27. Like, first off, wow. That is unbelievable. Just like, you know, as we watch all of these games, it's like on any given night, the one team just can't miss a shot for whatever reason, and then you're going to lose it, or you lose in a weird, controversial call, or you just didn't have it, whatever. For that to not happen for basically months at a time at that elite level is pretty special. So anytime a team gets over 20 and then they start going, hmm, could they could they do this? Uh, and like even the Heat are the closest getting to 27 and they're still, you know, still six or seven yeah, off of two uh, weeks of away basically. Yeah. yeah, so it's it's uh, that's mind boggling to me. So I just go with that and keeping it simple. Yeah, the plus 20 game win streak is awesome because every single night once it starts piling up that high, it's like it's like a playoff game. Yes. The other team's yes. intensity. So yeah, that's a a great choice. Another 20 game win streak, which is actually active right now. The TNT Bulls. Haven't lost still. a That's home still regular season game since February 28th, 2013. Now, they didn't have a regular season home game on TNT <laughs> last year. They also don't have one on TNT this year, so the streak is alive. Ah, yeah. It will continue. I'm going the opposite end of the spectrum. Okay. I'm going for the negative one. It was actually just recently broken. Kemba Walker finally broke his LeBron streak. When he went, yeah, that's a rough <laughs> one. He, he had gone 0 for 28, 0 for 32 if you include the playoffs. But when the Celtics beat the Lakers a couple of weeks ago, that was Kemba's very first win ever over LeBron. Just incredible. But it's not the longest streak ever. Sherman Douglas went 0 for 30 against Michael Jordan throughout his <laughs> NBA career. <laughs> that must just be crazy. But uh, so well done, Kemba. You technically. You technically didn't lose the streak to Sherman, even though you kind of did, because you're technically owned. You were one. You're now one and thirty-two Three. or three. Yeah, yeah. that's wild. That's, Crazy. That's good. That's good. Let's hear from you guys on this one. These are great questions this week. All right, next one. Hey, no Dunkaroonies. In their recent win over the Pelicans, three Nuggets recorded double doubles: Tory Craig, Jokic, and Michael Porter Jr. This got me thinking. In a day and age where everything in the NBA has a nickname or a label. What should we call this? A triple double double? Keep up the good work. That's from Josh in Wellington, New Zealand. Mm. Been there. Beautiful part of New Zealand. Um, yeah, so you got three guys with the double doubles in one game on the same team. And he says, we name everything, or, you know, the NBA Twitter does. So what do you call this? Does anyone have a better suggestion, I guess, than the triple double double, which I find very confusing, and I don't like that. I got to be honest, Josh. Uh, I call it a GG. Your team had a good game. Wow. <laughs> it doesn't need a nickname here. <laughs> You're right. Everything does have a nickname, but this is just everybody contributing. A, a great team win. So that's a GG right there. No, we're calling this I – got, I got something for it. So in Canada, a very, very popular uh, coffee shop is Tim, Timmy Hortons. Timmy Ho's. Um, <laughs> and, you know, obviously it's a coffee shop. Coffee and bagels and donuts and all that. When you get – milk and sugar in your coffee at Tim Hortons, you call it a double-double. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can call it a double-double. It's basically two shots of milk when they put it in or and then two shots of sugar. Now, two you lumps. can get like a triple-double, you can get a triple-triple, you can get a single-double, like whatever. You you make it and you ask for it. But it's pretty common. Is that fair, JD, the double-double? A lot of That's people get probably it. the most popular way to get your Tim Hortons Has to coffee. Be. Has to be. So I think we call this when it happens, it's like the Timmy Hose line. <laughs> Because it's like three people waiting in line all getting double-doubles Great. from Tim Hortons. Yeah. Um, so that's my weird suggestion for this. You got anything better? Nothing better than no. that, man. Yeah, I, I thought about this, and I'm like, how often does it even happen? Yeah, I mean, I bet it happens 
more often than we think, doesn't it? I mean, you got to have a point guard getting. I mean, the points isn't an issue. So 10, you, 10, to get yeah. two guys on a team yeah. getting ten rebounds and then a point guard maybe picking up ten assists, that can't be that uncommon. I'm not saying it happens every game, but that's happening. What I don't know <laughs> once I'm, or twice a week it feels. like? That's what I would say. Yeah, and once a week this has to happen yeah. somewhere in the NBA. Hey, bud, going down Timmy O's getting double double eight. All right, next one. Yo, what's up? Love the show and the podcast for a while. What was your least favorite NBA team as a kid and why? That's from LJDA Baller. Yo, what's up? <laughs> Were your least favorite team as a kid? Mm. Oh, why don't you answer this first? Did you have? Was it the Knicks? Yeah, you're a Bulls fan. Yeah, it was the Knicks and it was the Jazz. It was just Bulls yeah. rivals. Yeah. Um, who, you know, the Knicks were, the Knicks were, I feel like, a great rival for the Bulls because they were trying to rough them up and be the tough guys. And, you know, it was always, could they overcome them? Then the Jazz were a different sort of rival for the Bulls where they were, like, very well-respected. You know, they had Hall of Fame players as well, and they just seem to be the nice guys. I don't know what it was, but the the two the two sides of the Knicks and the Jazz, those are teams that uh, were always beefing with the Bulls. So those those for me. Yeah, I'm interested to hear your answer to mm. this, Lee, because you didn't really have a favorite team at points, so did you have a least favorite team? I had two least favorite teams, actually. Go uh, on. As I mentioned earlier, Hakeem Olajuwon's you know, one of my favorite of all time. So when David Robinson came along, and everyone's like, oh, David Robinson's oh. the best center in the league. Uh, excuse me, sir. <laughs> Take a seat, please, next to Dream. And, yeah, so I so you, of, I didn't yeah, like the Spurs. Me. I right. didn't like them because uh, it just felt like Robinson came along and, and everyone just immediately fell in love with him. And yeah. I'm like, Elijah one's better, dudes. Come on. <laughs> Come on, dudes. So it's you like, must have been pumped when uh, Elijah Elijah Wan gave it to him in, oh, in the playoffs after man. David Robinson got I the remember, MVP. Uh, we must have talked something about this once before because someone tweeted me this long thread about like David Robinson's record regular season is better than Elijah Wan and that. And I was like, yeah, but in the playoffs, that's what people remember. No, they don't. You know, like you got to look at the whole big picture. Oh, so I got wow. an angry David Robinson Spurs fan out there, okay. but uh, Elijah Wan. Was better, is better. Oh, wow, 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 wow. Okay, so Spurs, you said you had two teams, though. Well, also the Jazz and Carmelo, Malone, because I just didn't like Carmelo. Malone. Yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> he was easy to not like. Yeah, I think there were a lot of kids that were not the biggest Carmelo Malone fans. Yeah. Uh, that's good. I struggled with this one because, you know, when I was a kid, I guess my favorite team was the Bulls, but I didn't have the attachment to them like someone like Trey would being in the Chicago area. So I'm just cheering them on because I'm seeing what Jordan's doing, and you know everybody's cheering on the Bulls too because you're just uh, you're always riding on the bandwagon when you're a kid anyway. Whoever the best team is, who has the coolest highlights. So I, I can't really even pick like the Knicks or the Jazz. So and because the Raptors came around later in my life, I don't really at that point I'm like turning into you know high school kids. So I'm not really a kid kid. So I actually think I was thinking back, who did I hate and why? It would probably be the Bucks mm. because of NBA Jam. Mm. The Bucks in the original arcade version of NBA Jam, they probably had the worst team. It was Brad Lowhouse and Blue Edwards. Ah, perfect. <laughs> Brad and So, which is why I would have, I guess, hated them because they're like, oh, this team stinks. I'm never playing with this I team. I don't Brad like Lowhouse. Yeah, Brad Lowhouse. Get out of here. And Blue Edwards? Not much better than Brad Lowhouse. <laughs> uh, so, I guess I go Bucks, but only because of the video game version. <laughs> Just hate Brad Lowhouse. Uh, yeah, what a great name, though, for NBA Jam. You know, because Brad Lowhouse could hang. With, like, a Scottie Pippen in, in NBA Jam. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> you know? That's great. <laughs> <laughs> you can do the exact same dunks, basically. Exactly. Exactly. All right, next one. Hi, No Dunkers. I've been a fan since I started watching NBA actively way back in the starters days. 
I wanted to talk about the resemblance between Bam Adebayo and Nikola Jokic. They are becoming more and more similar. This season, Bam became the second best assisting center in the league behind, you guessed it, Jokic. There have been far less crazy monster dunks from him this season. He became a much better shooter from mid-range, has attempted more three-pointers, is getting to the free-throw line more, and he's starting to record those joker-like triple-doubles. Also, Jokic, on the other side, is getting way slimmer and athletic, dunking the ball more, and even jumping! Sometimes, at least. I would love to hear your opinion on this and any other weird comparison of NBA players or something else. That's from Mataya Marinkovic. Wow. This is an odd email. Comparing Bam to Jokic. And they're starting to meet in the middle. (laughs) I guess Bam is, uh, you know, getting a little more uh, crafty uh, as a center, becoming more of a point guard in a center's body. Uh, and all the things that he listed, and then Jokic is getting a little more athletic. Yep, just throwing it down <laughs> left and right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I see sort of what you're saying. I think it's maybe a stretch, but I guess that's the whole point of this question, uh, the weird comparisons that you can come up with. They are the same type of player, a playmaking center, but that's a thing that has existed. It's one of the coolest kinds of players. That's an Al Horford. That's a Brad Miller. Yao Ming It was a playmaking center as well. Both of the Gasols, uh, a guy that can make – Something happened from the elbows or the top of the yeah. key. Um, and, you know, as the NBA gets more and more skilled, I think uh, we're going to see even more and more big guys who are, you know, almost the de facto point guard for their teams. Right, for sure. right. Well, do you have any weird comparisons of your own, like that one? Uh, yeah, th- yeah, this is weird, so it's right. Um, <laughs> former Celtic Al Horford is now in uh, Philadelphia, and the guy who's kind of taking his place is, is Daniel Tice. And Tice is... You know, like, he's not really a center. He's not really a power forward. But he can take some, you know, threes. Like, Al, he can spread the floor somewhat. He can get inside. He's kind of aggressive. Not a bad defender either. You know? <laughs> Tyson <laughs> you know? Horford. I mean, it's uh, like... He's a poor man's Horford. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah. I mean, I think, I think you know, the, the Celtics trust him and they like him out there. Yeah. Um, you know, he plays some good minutes and he's, and he's confident, like, in his, um, you know, in his shot. He doesn't, he probably doesn't shoot as many threes as our shot or, you know, quite, it's quite a good um, a floor spacer. But, you know, he's knocked down, he's knocked down enough to know that if he gets a three and he's open, he should be able to drain it. Yeah. So. Well, I, I've made a weird comparison with another Celtic before on this podcast. I said there are elements of Gordon Hayward's game that, to me, are comparable to the way LeBron plays. We, we, we talked it out sure. before. There, it's particularly like that sort of weird, strong yet slowish drive that he has this weird pause to it. And LeBron, of course, is the much better athlete and can still throw it down, and you're not really seeing that from Hayward. But there are these times or these getting to his spots and the mechanics of how he moves and shoots that I, like... I really see LeBron. Like, I just see it. And it's like, that's what LeBron does sometimes. So that's a weird comparison because mm-hmm. I don't think many people are going to oh, yeah, Gordon Hayward, LeBron James. But I'm telling you, there are elements there when you when you watch closely. But who do you got? Well, you actually made some more crazy comparisons, I thought, on the show <laughs> earlier this year. You compared me to Giannis Antetokounmpo and Nikola Jokic. <laughs> I said parts of your game, yes. <laughs> But that's 100% accurate, so I can see where you were going with it. If I, You're definitely more Jokic than you are Giannis. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Confirmed. A lot more closer. All right, next one here. No Dunks crew. When tragic events occur, we often, fortunately, think with much greater clarity about what really matters in life. Family, forgiveness, spreading love, etc. It is natural 
for all of the NBA to want to honor Kobe as we deal with this tragedy, but retiring his number across the league is, in my opinion, not the way to do it. Had Kobe lived until his 80s, the number retirement across the league would not have occurred. It makes no sense to do it now simply because of when and how he died. Retiring a number across the league should be saved for social justice trailblazers like Jackie Robinson. Instead for Kobe, I would be thrilled to see every NBA player promise to spend an entire day at an all-girls camp or exhibition of some nature. It could be on the three rest days after the All-Star game or at any point in 2020. Or it would even be better if this could become an annual event on the Monday after the All-Star game, Kobe Bryant Day in support of women's basketball. Because no matter how epic Kobe's on-the-court legacy was and his mamba mentality, what truly tugs on the heartstrings is seeing images of Kobe with Gigi. And we can honor him best not through a number in the rafters, but through continuing his legacy of support for young women playing basketball and all of the amazing life growth that can take place in the sport. I tend to think this is what Kobe would appreciate the most. Peace and love. That's from at Eddie underscore DeBacco coming from Toronto. So mm. not a question, but we always ask for comments as well. And uh, I don't know. What do you guys think about that idea? Uh, well, first of all, I think that I do think it's okay, and I think it would be great for the NBA to retire Kobe's number uh, across the league. You know, he's right that Jackie Robinson's number is retired in the MLB because he was a social justice trailblazer, as Eddie said. But Wayne Gretzky's number is also retired throughout the NHL because he's the greatest hockey player of all time. Um, so I think Kobe, with given the circumstances and his stature in the game, I think that's a, a worthwhile honor for sure. But I also think... That a Kobe Bryant day somehow honoring women's basketball is a great idea. Yeah, so you're, you're, yep. you're down with both. Yeah, I, I think that uh, this might just inspire people to do these things without necessarily having to have a day dedicated to it anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, to sort of carry on. Well, you would hope. Yeah, you would hope. You would hope that people would uh, you know, bring more awareness to the, to the women's game. Um, because, yeah, I, th- I think the NBA is going to is going to do something exactly what they are going to do whether they retire his number or, or a number of his um, but it, see the retiring of the number across the league is interesting because 24 has been retired by a couple of teams already yeah so um, uh, anyway but uh, is that really a big deal I mean so you just it doesn't really matter yeah. if you think about but, it but okay but also, so Bobby Jones number yeah. 24 is retired in Philadelphia and then if it's retired across the league it's not like you were going to be wearing it anyway no Philadelphia. but do you retire 8 as well I mean yeah I know I'm, I'm not sure that is the funny part with the, the Kobe having yeah. the two numbers because it's, it's a weird little wrinkle the exact amount of time yeah in each yeah, yeah. yeah so it's not like one sort of dominates the other no. but um, yeah like so I think I think the NBA is probably right now trying to think of the best way to, to uh, honor Kobe yep and um, whenever they do uh, I, I'm confident they'll get get it right this has the same problem for me as the logo, putting him on the logo. Putting a Kobe Bryant day in support of women's basketball, I know that he was a great supporter of women's basketball, and you can never take that away from him. But you can also never forget that his tarnished legacy where he, uh, you know, raped somebody or allegedly raped somebody. And that's – it just does not sit right with me. Maybe I'm being a dick. Am I being a dick? I don't think you are. And I think that you share sentiments with quite a few people who uh, have trouble wrestling with the legacy of Kobe being seen as a, a great supporter of women's basketball, giving his past in Colorado. Yeah. Um, and you're right. That's a, it's, a, it's tricky. Uh, I don't know the correct answer on that. And it's not totally dissimilar to if the NBA were to change the logo to Kobe Bryant. It's rubbing it in the face of survivors. Um, I also so yeah, get it really... It's, it's tough. 
I get uncomfortable when I assume that Eddie is a is a man, but there are Eddie women who are Eddie. But it's weird to me. Are are women asking for this? Are women asking for a day where it's mandatory for NBA players to spend days at camp? Do they want that? Do they need that? I mean, I don't know the answer to that, but it this kind of thing always makes me uncomfortable. Like, I absolutely think that women's basketball should be, you know, supported and celebrated. And celebrated yeah. But I don't know. Stuff like this makes me very uncomfortable. That's all. Hey, double doinkers. I saw on the news last week that Hashim the Beat was cut from the Fort Wayne Mad Ants of the G League. Hashim the Beat? This guy's still hooping in 2020? The Mavericks gotta sign this man. What's something you guys thought was gone for good, but then you suddenly saw it pop up again out of the blue? Happy 100th episode, Tom from Toronto. Hmm. Fanny packs. <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Oh, big time. True. Yeah, they, oh. were, they were around for yeah. a good chunk of time. Yeah. And then they were gone forever, it felt like. Oh. And then suddenly they were back everywhere. So, yes, they, that one, I couldn't believe it. Like, I remember the first time I re-saw the fanny pack. I was like, is this a joke? Part of a costume? Okay, you would sometimes see it for a Halloween costume maybe or someone going for an 80s party, th- you know, sure. theme party. And then it was just back. And now it's, like, common that everybody's got one. Well, that's great news. Yeah. I used to rock one all the time. Well, then <laughs> you should. You, you I put it away because it was uncool, but now they're pull back. Pull it back on, out, man. Oh, man. Whenever you travel, you always have to have the fanny pack. Right. Fanny pack's great for travel. Yeah, it is. Yeah, the bum bag, as we call it. Yeah, I was going to say, everybody's giggling in Australia, right? Or or, or in Britain, me saying fanny pack. The bum bag. (laughs) But I actually think they're quite practical. Yeah, I... Look, I'm not getting angry that they're back. It's just like, wow, that was wild. More like yeah. they should have never gone away. I guess. Yeah. yeah. Why yeah. did they go away? Yeah. Well, they never did, if you ask my dad. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, maybe that's it. What about what do you got? Well, the Macarena. Uh, we talked about it yesterday on our show because of the uh, the incident that happened there on the Cleveland dance cam where we thought the uh, inner inner announcer was calling out me as the crowd was doing the Macarena. and. I'm just like, well, yeah, I mean, is the Macarena now like mainstream back in, in arena music? Is it all the time? I mean, I've been to a ton of Hawks games in the last couple of years and I I don't really remember it. But then again, I, I'm not sort of up, you know, trying to show off your moves. Yeah, in front of the dance. <laughs> so, I mean, so uh, a min- uh, Despicable 3, the Minions movie was released in uh, 2017. And I know it's in that because my kids watch it. Oh, so maybe that sort of triggered it again. Yeah, reinvigorated yeah. it. Yeah. Got it in the people's yeah. mind again. I tweeted yesterday, I can't believe how many times I listened to the Macarena today because we were working on the video. So just <laughs> hearing it so many times, so many times. And then people tweeted back saying, the new one or the original? What? Oh. There's a Tyga song from 2019 him and Jay Balvin somehow incorporating the Macarena into, you know, just a modern song. Like when Maria Maria was in a Rihanna song or whatever uh, it was. So yeah, yeah. you're right, Lee. The Macarena is somehow back. Huh. Hey, we also found out what was going on with that Cavs video, did we yeah, not? Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Why don't you explain that? Because uh, we, we were very confused at the time. Why is this guy shouting out Lee Ellis for this, what appears to be just a normal crowd shot? Yeah, there's a man in it. Doesn't yeah. really look anything like you. And then, yeah, there's a kid with glasses. <laughs> Doesn't really look anything like you. Why is he yelling Lee Ellis? But you got a response. Yes. I, uh, someone sent me, uh, 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 they tagged in the in arena announcer. His name is uh, Cavs Ahmad. And so I just said to him, hey, Cav, uh, I said, Ahmad, my dude. <laughs> I guess sent him a fist bump. And he said, uh, there was a guy named Lee Ellis next to me, LOL. It's spelled L-double-E. Lee, as in Ellis. So, so he was... 
So the an- <laughs> okay, hold on, hold on. The announcer. <laughs> this might have made it worse and even cloudier yeah. than. The announcer. Not he is saying, hey, I see you, Lee Ellis. He's actually not even responding to the Jumbotron, the video we're seeing of any of those people. It sounds like he's got his buddy, this guy he knows, or somebody he knows named Lee Ellis. He just He's probably laughing because they're dancing, I that's, assume. That's what it sounds like yes. to me, yes. Wow. yes. wow, wow, wow. So that's why also there was some confusion over who he was pointing out in the crowd. We thought, you know, whether it's the little kid with the glasses that looked like me or the older guy with the dance moves who didn't look anything like me. <laughs> yeah. Remember, some of us thought, no, he's talking about that guy. No, and others thought, no, he's talking about the little kid. So, yeah. This is another Leo. We found it. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Got to the bottom of this. We cracked that case. Uh, what, what about you for this one? The Mighty Ducks are back, too. And they got Gordon Bombay back. Emilio Estevez <laughs> coming back into the role. Going to be tutoring some more kids. Uh, I loved the Mighty Ducks series. Uh, D2, for me, a top five sports movie of all time. Uh, I don't think they're going to be pulling back the original cast, except for old GB. But uh, I would be happy if, uh, wow. I don't know. What's his name? Guy Germain showed up. Connie Moreau. Jesse Hall. The OGs. <laughs> See him out there carving it up on the ice? I guess they brought back the Karate Kid. And you love oh, that. Yeah. And then now they're bringing back yeah. Mighty Ducks. You should, uh, you're right. This is a dumb answer for me. You shouldn't be surprised when literally any television show yeah, comes back now. Yeah. Mm. Well, I, no, what I was going to say is like, okay, you loved Karate Kid. Lee, you, they brought it back. And you and you enjoyed the new series, by the sounds of yeah, it. Yeah, it's, it's awful, but I've enjoyed it. Right, okay. Now you're a big Ducks fan. They're bringing this back. Okay, you're going to watch it regardless. This gives me hope that we're going to see a Rad 2 or a Rad series, the greatest BMX movie ever made. Do you really want that, though? I mean, isn't this no, like Vince No, Carter? you're right. Yeah. You're probably right. I, exactly. This would be yeah. the equivalent of Vince Carter in the dunk contest. Yeah. yeah. I don't want it. I don't yeah. want it. Don't don't ruin perfection. Um, but no, I, come on. You want an eight-episode Disney Plus yeah. miniseries made for today. Right. I'd like Crew to Jones' that. son now mm-hmm. is yes. uh, yeah, trying to follow in his dad's footsteps. His dad's like, no, that broke that broke me in half. That profession <laughs> nearly killed me. I'm writing it. I can just write it right now. He should. But then Hell Track's back. Hell Track 2. Heller Track. And, um, yeah. John Farnham could sing on it, though, again. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we could break the ice some yeah. more. <laughs> Break the ice again. Yeah. Still Still ready to break the ice. (laughs) All right, next one here. Oh, man. Sup, no dunkers. They say it's the small things in life that make it worth living. I feel the same way about basketball. Aside from the big things we all love in basketball, killer crossovers, dunks, no-look dimes, logo threes, what other small things in basketball that, for you, never got old and make life worth living? For me, it's the big man three. When you see a giant like Trey Kirby effortlessly <laughs> caress a ball from 22 feet, it's a beautiful thing. They make it look almost lethargic and easy. Gets me every time. Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. That's from Simon on Stratford upon Avon. Oh. Mm. Yeah. I didn't know if you were going Ontario or Connecticut nah. there with that Stratford. Oh, that's the OG Stratford. Um, I got three things. Mm. Small things, I guess you want to call them that. We've talked about it before. I love a good rebound. Give me a. It doesn't need to be an offense rebound. I don't need a Moses. Give me a great, athletic, defensive rebound. <laughs> I love it. I think it looks cool. You like, do you need a box out or you want it to be? No, like, in fact, I'm I think, jumping up and over. Somebody. Yeah, in fact, those are the cooler ones yeah. for sure. Yeah. yeah, it's it's the equivalent of a dunk, really. I mean, it was just without putting it through the rim. Uh, so I like that. So we've talked about that before. I do. Uh, I do like a good being the point guard. Uh, you know that I am when we play 
Love just a beautiful little pocket pass. Little one-two action. Just slip it through that tiny hole right on, right in the bread basket for the big man to finish. Love that. Anytime you see that. And then playing pickup recently, I'm really getting old when I know I get a kick out of this. I love now setting a great pick <laughs> and it resulting in a basket. And then I hilariously always make sure to yell out screen assist. Screen assist. <laughs> yeah. And I, I specifically love not a pick on the ball, but like if you like back pick a guy and then it's like kicked over to the corner and it's like all because of you. All because you've set a back pick, totally caught somebody by surprise and they splash a corner three. Oh, come on. <laughs> I love that. And I, I like seeing it too in the NBA, but I really like when you're out there and you set a good pick and it feels like, oh yeah, I helped make that play happen. Oh my goodness. Yeah. How old are you? That's what I said, man. I know I'm getting That's old. I like rebounding bounce passes and setting yeah. a good hard screen. <laughs> I set one last night and I, again, I, you heard me on Jungle. like, Marcel used it. I'm like, you only score because of me there, big guy. Oh, it's so fun though. That's where you know you've lost a step and you got to oh, do the other yeah. little things. You got to do the little things. You got to start to know your role. Know your role. And yeah, I'm starting to really find it now in, in my pickup runs. Mm. What do you guys have though? Small things. Well, this uh, summer, last summer, when I was out in Australia, I got to uh, shoot around with Tim Hardaway and Alan Houston briefly while I shot a couple of features. And while the camera was getting set up and we we're getting ready, I was feeding them the yep. ball. Yeah, yeah. And it's amazing still listening or watching and hearing a pro player shoot the basketball, how it just goes through the, the rim. It's different. Yeah. And Tim Hardaway and Alan Houston, just both of them got hot for a while. And the ball was just like snapping Snap. through yeah. the net. And it's like, I've shot a million times. At some point, you know, you get one that does that. You get one. But these guys, it was just like like they'd never left the game, you know. And um, listening to that sound. And then when they get a little bit hot and you start firing the ball to them. And you can see them starting to get oh, into yeah, a little rhythm. A, yeah, yeah, there's a rhythm. Yeah. And, uh, you know, especially Alan Houston, like he, he was sort of, a little reluctant to shoot for some reason at the start, but then he started knocking a few down and he's like, yeah, give me that ball, give me that ball. Ah. <laughs> it just feels awesome to be like throwing a pass to a, a you know retired NBA player and he's knocking it down. It feels like, sure, you know, I'm getting some dimes there's out even, There's even like, uh, did you fall into this, uh, this, this thing where you're like almost like, I don't. I want to get this rebound. Not that I mean it's usually splashing through, but you like want to keep that rhythm going. Oh, yeah. Like you don't want to slow it down or, or wait a second. You was like, okay, we just got to keep this going, keep this going. And, and from being sometimes down at games before the game, where you see the the assistant coaches like really firing the ball to players, I start doing that. To yeah. These old guys. yeah. I, want, I don't. I don't want to just like throw it and yeah, it bounces or bounce it, and yeah. they've got to pick it up and shoot it. I want them to catch in rhythm and knock it in. <laughs> I want them to think, man, that's some velocity on that pass. This guy could have been an assistant coach. I was going to say, your dream job really would be to be like ah. like either a ball boy or, yeah, like some sort of like the end of the guy, bench. Yeah, 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 the rebounding guy. You would love it. Yeah, because, you know, you, you would go through your routine of, of passing it, and then when they all go off and you go, all right, oh, I know. I got the time to get some shots yeah. up now. You so. would have been a horrible rebound guy because you would have been shooting. <laughs> MJ's like, come on. You're like, no, I got this one. Let me get one up here. Yeah, well, even, even when I did my feature with Rolando Blackman a few years ago, he was in a suit. And he took his jacket off and he had like, you know, pants on and his like, um, you know, business <laughs> shoes. Well, he took his jacket off and he had pants <laughs> yeah. on? Yeah. But he started knocking the ball in. Then he started doing a little stutter step before uh, he, before he started knocking it And I was just like, hey, bro, we can shoot all day. But I don't care about the feature, man. Let's just shoot. <laughs> what do you got, Trey? Uh, one of my favorite things is unfortunately going extinct. I love the baseline 12-foot jump oh, shot. Oh, yeah. Woo! 
basically nobody shoots it anymore. Kurt Goldsberry had a graphic not too long ago comparing like uh, top shot locations in 2001 compared to 2020. And, you know, there's a whole bunch in the Wennington spot. In the, the Euro spot, if, if you will. Yeah, we, um, my, my coach used to call it the Russian spot. The Russian yeah, spot, yeah, that's yeah. a good one. Um, but for me, it was always like, that's where the big guys randomly got the ball in the triangle. So, like, Luke Longley had to have a 12-footer. Wennington had to have a 12-footer. Yeah. But nobody shoots those anymore because if you can make that from the baseline, you can probably make it from three in the corner. So, back it up a touch. Nowadays, though, pretty rare. Yeah. But when you see it, it's like like a unicorn. <laughs> I mean, people call Chris Stapps Porzingis the unicorn, but there are so many seven-footers who can handle the ball and make things happen. Not as many baseline 12-footers. Yeah, the they're, the, they're the true unicorns now. It's flipped. You're right. All right, next one here. Hi, skinnamarinky-dinky-dunks. Um, in light of Larry Walker's NASCAR SpongeBob outfit when he was elected into the Baseball Hall of Fame, if there was a chance you were going to be elected into the Hall, and they were going to live stream your reaction. What would you be wearing, and where would you be? That's from Noah from Burlington, Ontario. Uh, did you see what Larry was wearing? I'm ju- uh, just looking it's at it quite, right now. It is yeah. quite the outfit. Yeah. To be... Uh, <laughs> to NASCAR SpongeBob is pretty accurate. Yeah, that's what it looks like to me. Um, and to Noah there. So... <laughs> yeah, what well, I mean, it's like it, it, it's a man that just does not care what he wears. Mm-hmm. I mean, sure, he, which is you know you got to respect in a weird way. Like yeah. you just you're getting elected into the Baseball Hall of Fame. There are cameras there. Your entire family's there, and he's like, yeah, I'm gonna wear this SpongeBob <laughs> to throw on a jacket. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But good on him. What would you wear? Well, I'd if be you on, knew you were going in the hall, I'd be on the beach. I think that'd be the best place to be. I'd have my uh, swim shorts on. Okay. I'd have a uh, loose-fitting T-shirt on, sunglasses, a hat. I'd be sipping on a Cuscania, Peruvian beer. I'd be like, awesome. And then what, jump in the water? <laughs> yep, <What>? why not? <laughs> Thanks, see you in September. Yeah. Dives in the water, swims <laughs> off. So, how loose of a T-shirt you Very think? loose, very loose. <laughs> <laughs> you know, showing that you're just relaxed, you're chilling on the beach, cool, man. Hall of Fame, no big deal to you. Yeah. yeah. yeah you're like, nah. Just another great part of your life on the beach with <laughs> your Cosa Cana. I'm like, yeah, whatever. Um, okay. I actually, <laughs> I'm laughing at your answer, but I wrote down in the pool. <laughs> <laughs> See? Shirt on or shirt off? Uh, shirt off. Ah, I think there's something yeah. hilarious. Because I want to be not mic'd up. I want them to have to boom mic into the middle of the pool. <laughs> or I'm just lounging. So it's very similar to what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. you're just chilling. Yeah, all right, cool, thanks. That's all you want. Go back to your day. You know? Yeah, Hall of Fame. Yeah. Do a C-ball. Hey, where, are you, where are you going, though? Full orange Dumb and Dumber tuxedo. <laughs> By myself at home. <laughs> Just me. Tops and tails. Just waiting. <laughs> it's, all, it's all like gross. It looks like you've been wearing it for like 10 months waiting for the call. Uh, yeah, that, that would work. That'd be funny for you too. That's, a, that's one of the weirder questions we ever got, but I like that one. No, all right. A few more we got here. Hey, no dunkaroos. I've heard the recent chatter on the pod about Nate McMillan and Nick Nurse leading the way for NBA Coach of the Year. Well-deserving coaches... But where's the Billy Donovan love? Toronto's preseason win total in Vegas, 46.5. Indiana's, 47.5. OKC, heh, 29.5. Mm. I have all the love in the world for Russ, but without the Westbrook offense, we're finally seeing what Donovan brings to the court as a coach. My question is this. 
If OKC continues on this pace towards the 45 to 47 win range, assuming a six-ish seed in the playoffs, how could it not be Donovan after being projected so low and off many playoff predictions preseason? Love the show. That's from Brandon in Knoxville, Tennessee. Making the case. Where's the Donovan love? There is a lot of McMillan and Nurse love. That's yeah. not wrong. He's right. He's there. He's in the mix, no doubt. It's a it's an interesting award, the uh, coach of the award, uh, coach of the year award, because I mean, why wouldn't Budenholzer win it if the team wins sixty eight games? You know, just well, by I'll, having... I'll, I'll tell you right now, if they win over seventy games, I don't see how you can't yeah, give it so, to a but, coach that okay, does that. Okay, 70, Is there a big difference there? You no, know what no, I mean? No, you're right. You you're know. right. And then if you have someone like Donovan, let's say they win forty five, you know, or more. You know, is a guy like that going to have win coach of the year just because he exceeded expectations? I mean, expectations come into play with this award yeah. a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's not wrong. Yeah. Brandon's not wrong. But then Frank Vogel, is, in my opinion, has exceeded expectations too. I don't think people thought the Lakers were going to be quite as dominant as they've been. You know? The problem with Vogel, the problem with, uh, in this case, Donovan, is it's like the best player out there. So in LeBron for the Lakers and then Chris Paul. For the Thunder, it's like they're. It, a lot of people are like, well, they're sort of in a weird way. Also, the coaches. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's like for they're, sure. they're, they're obviously Hall of Famers, and it's like any coach could probably get them close to the level they are. I'm not saying I agree with that, but that's sort of the idea, which I think hurts their chances a little bit. Yeah. Which is why maybe Donovan is sort of, yeah, like third or fourth on the list. Like, what about um, Taylor Jenkins with the Grizzlies? Sure. I mean, yeah. what was their Vegas win total? Probably like 22, 23. Yeah, yeah. They were supposed to be one of the worst teams in the league. Yep. And they're, you know, they basically already have that many wins, and we're not even at the All-Star break. So I think those are the four guys. Yeah, Vogel, sure, maybe I think two. he has to be in, in yeah, the mix because yeah. it's his first year in, in Los yeah, Angeles. Yeah, there, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's, it's those four or five guys, but Donovan's he's going to get some love and probably warranted. Yeah, and the reason that preseason win total low is so low to me is because it's kind of heading into the season, you thought Chris Paul would be traded. Yeah. You know, and yeah. we definitely thought that the Thunder team would look different halfway through the season and so far it's been certainly a surprise that the Thunder have been better than they are but there were some people some geniuses amongst us who picked (laughs) OKC to make it into the playoffs Uh, so it's not completely out of the realm of feasibility uh, that the the Thunder were going to be good but they have been better than people assumed and Donovan has done a good job this year and then I mean the cases for those other leaders if you want to call them that too McMillan I mean they don't have their all NBA guy they just get him back he's played one game and they're you know, one of the best teams in the East. They feel like a threat to, you know, win a playoff series or two for sure. That was without, without Odebo and a bunch of new pieces. Their turnover of that team was crazy, yeah. which is why a bunch of idiots sitting here were very low on the Pacers. That's right. I'm pointing at Trey and I'm pointing at myself because we were like, hit the under, hit the under, hit the under, and they're well on their way to maybe hitting that 47.5 win marker over. So that's big plus for him. And then Nick Nurse, come on. That team has been ravaged. By injuries. I mean, they've almost never had their whole team, the Raps. It's it's one of their top five, two of their top five, three of their top five, even more at times. They've all been out, and it's all these sort of, like, no-name guys or guys that have barely played um, still getting the Raptors to elite defense, you know, obviously a ton of wins, and he's just such a creative coach as it is, too. He's not afraid to try things, and you've seen that um, positive results in games. So, I mean, so the, I think there's a reason why those mm-hmm. guys are sort of one-two wherever you have them. But I am. I'm with them. I'm like, you know, Donovan's right there, and I think Jenkins' right there, and, yeah, and maybe even Vogel. They've just got different sort of reasons for being yeah. the best coach. Um, but so this is funny. Mm-hmm. If the Bucks win 70 games, I mean, I, I, like, how does he it. not get yeah. it? Yeah. yeah. It, it's because it's just – but I wonder where that – 
that threshold is. Yeah. Like if the Bucks win 64 games, I'm not so sure that it's yeah. like a, a given for Budenholzer. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know why. The but... big number is certainly going to be the big case, if you will. Yeah. Shout out to Tom Haberstrom. <laughs> 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 but I mean, that's, that's the whole thing with expectations. We at least expected to be the the Bucks to be good, but the fact that they're better, I think, is probably a little bit underrated. Um, yeah. But if you see a 70 in the win column. It's easy to take note that they've been a great team. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. You're right. Coming into the season, everybody's like, it's going to be Bucks or Sixers as mm-hmm. the number one seed. Uh, that was Everybody was saying that, so you're right. But not this good. Not running away from the East. All right, come more. Hey, No Dunks. I'm a Timberwolves fan in need of some therapy. After the historic loss against the Kings, two double-digit losing streaks this season, a team that doesn't seem to gel, an ownership that doesn't get it, I've reached my breaking point. My question is, how do you guys deal when your team is in a massive slump with no signs of improvement in the future? How did you guys deal with the dark days of bulls and raps? I've been a fan since KG was drafted and following this team just isn't fun anymore. That's from Nick. Sad Nick oh, from Minneapolis. You could feel the pain in this email. The, just the, yeah. just the uh, what am I doing? Why am I cheering for this <laughs> Why? team? Why, Why am, am I, I probably giving jersey? money to this team? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Oh, man, it's tough, and I've been there. There were a lot of dark days, as he said, as a Raptors fan. A lot, a lot. Unfortunately, that was the time when I was in Toronto attending a lot of those games. Um, it's still enjoyable because it's live NBA basketball, and then you every, every once in a while you get a great Bosch or Bargnani mm-hmm. performance or Mike James performance, and you're like, ah, oh, yeah, and they string together a couple wins, and then you can talk yourself into this rookie and this guy they picked up, and, oh, yeah, we're going to turn it around next year. You know. It just sucks when it keeps not happening. Oh. I get it. Oh yeah, but you know you're gonna stick with it. What are you gonna What are you gonna do, Nick? I mean, let's be honest. Are you just gonna straight up change your allegiance? Nah. No, 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 no. Because you, you know you can't do that. Because you know eventually, at some point, um, they'll turn it around. You want to be there, and for then the and then what? You can't come back. You can't do that. That is what. That's a <laughs> that's a rule. If you're leaving the team, like my dad, huge Buffalo Bills fan. All right, my entire life. So he obviously went through some drastic losses, you know, with the four Super Bowl losses. You know, I've wrote a story about this way back in the day for Deadspin. It was like the third Super Bowl. Like, I'm still like 12 or something, and I'm like making posters, go Bills, go. And by halftime, he's literally ripped that off the wall, ripped it in half, and went to bed because they're getting punked that bad. Like, you know, like, as a Bills fan, they've seen some super dark days because those are even worse, right? Being good and never being able to actually get Mm -hmm. it done uh, in an odd way. So... But at some point, the whole point of that story was, he's like, all right, I'm done. I'm done with the Bills. And like three, four, five years ago, he's like, no, I'm going to I'm gonna cheer. I swear to God, I'm going to cheer for the Chiefs now. I have no idea why he picked the Chiefs, but he's like, Chiefs are my team. And so, you know, I've told him, I'm like, you can't come back. You can't, like, if the Bills go to the Super Bowl, you can't go back. You you're can't be cheering fan. for them. Yeah. If you're making that move on, then that's it. And he's, I mean, well, he's happy right now. Chiefs are in the Super Bowl. But, uh, <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how he feels when the Bills win a Super Bowl. But uh, you just got to ride it out is the truth, Nick. It's, hey, take a break. You don't have to watch all the games. You don't have to put yourself through hell every second night. Hop on eBay, to. man. Yeah. Get you some NBA jeans. Get an NBA jacket. Get an NBA hat. Become a fan of the league. <laughs> I was a Bulls fan, obviously, uh, when they were going through the dynasty up through 1998, and then MJ retired, there was a lockout, and the Bulls were terrible. So that's when I started really liking other basketball teams and kind of just, you know, the Bulls are still my favorite team. They're still going to – I'm still going to watch them the most, I'm sure, but 
there's a lot more interesting things to be watching night in, night out than your team just disappointing you every single evening. Yeah, that's fair, but man, when they, it all comes together eventually, speaking from experience. <laughs> yeah, I'm still, still waiting, like, still waiting. It's, uh, 22 years. It's something else. It was, it was one of the happiest, you know, summers of my life, days of my life when they got the title. So you got you to gotta ride it out, unfortunately. That's just what being a fan is. It's stupid to begin with, man. Think about what you're doing. <laughs> Think about what we're doing right now. Think about what you're doing listening to us doing this right now. It's all stupid, but it's fun. It's I'm just fun. sitting here wearing a full Dumb and Dumber tuxedo. I'm telling you, that feels stupid. <laughs> but thanks for the email, Nick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you got to get it off your chest, too. That's fine. All right, one more, and then we'll wrap it up here. How do you know Dunksters? Big Milwaukee Bucks slash No Dunks fan. I have a horrible track record of buying into the hype of some of the NBA's bus. Being a North Carolina fan, I had a busy period from the 2012 draft where I told anyone and everyone, watch out for John Henson. The 6'10 big man is a future defensive player of the year and possibly league leader in rebounds for years to come. Well, uh, let me interject here. John Henson has also thrown me off, too. You see him have some, like, massive double-doubles. You're like, whoa, he's got that long of arms, that sweet touch with the left hand. He could be a real player. Uh, if you go back and listen to some uh, old podcasts, we definitely were showing some John Henson love. I remember sure. those, too. I'm just as guilty. He goes on to write, remember mixtape Thon? Well, I was probably one of those uh, only few people to purchase a Thon Maker custom jersey and followed Kevin Garnett in outrageous claims of possible multiple Defensive Player of the Years and MVPs for the high school prodigy. I've similarly fell for the hype for players like Jimmer Fredette, Alfred Payton, Thomas Sandoransky, and Canadian sniper Nick Stauskas. My question for you is, when have you put all your eggs in one basket only to have an empty basket and a $110 custom Thon Maker jersey to show for it? <laughs> that is from Ben... All the way from France. Wow, he was buying into the hype all the way over there. Uh, yeah, that happens to the best of us. You know, my infamous one is Jason Maxiel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, you know, that's uh, a long time ago on a podcast. I said he would make an all-star game for Danny Granger. Everybody knows this. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I was wrong. <laughs> what I was a wrong. comparison that is. I looking back. Yeah, I know. It's very, very weird. Uh, but I saw a lot of potential in Jason Maxiel. I saw good things. I left the way he played. But, so that's one for me. I mean, I wasn't buying his jersey for crying out loud. I mean, that's the next level. Maybe a Detroit Bad Boys t-shirt. Yeah. When he was dunking on everybody <laughs> when he came into the league. My answer for Ben is almost, could actually be an answer for Nick, our previous emailer. All my eggs are in the Bulls making the playoffs basket. This chase for the eighth seed, to me, is equivalent to the Bulls going for title number seven. So, like, every night I'm like, this is the Oh, yeah. the one. We're getting on the upswing. Yeah, you were freaking out when we were driving home from ball last night. Like, what's the bull score? What's the bull score? Did they pull it off? They get it done? I'm like, uh, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, they didn't pull yeah, it you're, off. You're invested. Yeah, all I need to see, <laughs> all I need to see is one sweet playoff appearance from Zach Levine, and I'll be on cloud nine. Hey, boy, 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 boy. What do you got, Lee? During the dark season, the lockout season, the 66-game season, I saw a player for the Charlotte Bobcats uh, put up 31 and 14 one night, knocked in a three or a two. <laughs> Walter? No, oh. no. And he's a big guy. Uh, I he's a big guy. He's a seven-footer, and I thought, this guy, you know, he just needs to get an opportunity. I think I even picked him for most improved for the 12-13 uh, so. season. Byron Mullins. 
Oh my god! You, you picked him for most improved. You're I right. Think so. I think you did because I can picture his graph, like his face on a graphic. <laughs> and look, he had a couple of games there, a couple of double doubles, had a couple of oh. <laughs> big nights. He hit five threes, had 27 points one night, had the double double a couple of times. <laughs> And I remember during that season, a lot of people, when he would have his good games, he had 25 and 18 in one game with four threes. People would tweet me, Byron Mullins, but oh, I was I know, um, I know, man. This guy's going to do it. <sighs> yeah. Uh, what, what, what happened? Um, he bounced around a little bit in the league, <laughs> but uh, he didn't last all that long. I don't know where he is these days. Did you prefer when he was Byron Mullins or BJ Mullins? <laughs> no, BJ, for sure. <laughs> we all love a good BJ. <laughs> oh, apparently yeah. he's in Japan huh. playing for a team called Lavanga Hokkaido. Okay. So he's still, still making it happen, I guess. Oh, yeah. uh, he's hopefully. young enough then. He could maybe pick, get picked up on a 10-day by someone. How old is he? I mean, in my head, okay, before you tell me, I'm not looking. In my head, that man is 35 years old, but there's no way he's got to be that old, right? He will be 31 okay. next okay. month. Okay. Yeah. So that's he's got five years still to... Find Bring him back. To, find his way to an NBA roster. Maybe the Mavericks were looking at him after Dwight Powell. He was Powell's drafted injury. by the Mavericks. I know, I yeah. know, but they obviously went and traded for Willie Cauley Stein. Maybe they were thinking about Mullins over there in Japan. <laughs> I highly doubt it. I'd like to see what he looks like now. Do you got, we got a photo you could show me of? Mm. He had a great look. <laughs> oh, he's on Twitter. He, uh, oh, he's just lying he just, on the ground. He sort of just looked like. Uh, he looked like he knew Adam Morrison. Good friends with Adam yeah. Morrison. That's the only way I can explain it. <laughs> oh, I think he's got a. I think he's got a beard these days. Ooh. I think. Oh, Beardy Byron. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Great questions. Awesome round. Keep them coming as always. No dunks at theathletic.com or tweet them in if they're short enough. At No Dunks Inc. or use that hashtag No Dunks. We'll have a whole new batch of questions and comments to get to next week when we go beach stepping. So keep them coming all week long.